You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. In every episode, we'll be bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this episode, we actually have another interview with someone who is who absolutely has blown my mind. He's one of the most fascinating people that uh, I have ever had the opportunity of speaking to or uh, actually, you know, talking with. And I'm not just saying that because we have we got him on the podcast. If you uh, go and check out his website, so who I'm talking about is Jimmy Rex. And if you go to his website, it's MrJimmyRex.com, and you go to his about page. He's got four categories in there that I think really epitomize who he is. I think he's done a good job of capturing that. And one is it says adventurer, entrepreneur, networker and protector of loved ones. And so I know you're going to love this episode. Uh, I had a phenomenal time uh, just speaking with Jimmy and talking with him. He lives life literally till the fullest. And you're going to find that out in this uh, when you listen to this episode. And so the other thing is, is he's a great entrepreneur. He's a realtor. Uh, he's an investor. He's he's involved in multiple business avenues. But he gives us a story of uh, how he hit rock bottom, basically, as uh, an entrepreneur in business. And uh, he built his way back up. And it's it was so inspiring to hear that story. And just to hear how he made it through that, you can tell why he is the way that he is, right? And he also says that he's a networker. He does a lot of things uh, with networking. He's a connector of people, which is how he's built his business. And it has been really, really profitable for him just helping people in any way that he can. Uh, he's just got a great heart and just looking at how he actually cares for people. It comes through in everything that he does. And then lastly, he's got protector of loved ones. And so he's involved with Operation Underground Railroad, if you haven't heard about this, but their mission is to put a stop to child sex trafficking and kidnapping. And Jimmy actually goes on the raids with um, Operation Underground. He tells us a little bit about that as well. And so as you can see, just from the introduction, he is one of the most interesting people and inspirational people that you will hear about. And so I would uh, suggest you look him up more once you get done listening to the interview. But uh, it is absolutely a good one. So enjoy. All right. Yeah. So we're here with Jimmy Rex. I'm uh, super excited for this interview here uh, to get him here on the podcast and uh, talk to him about his whole journey doing some prep for this podcast here. Uh, my mind is just like oof, going crazy because all the stuff that he has going on and and uh, just the wealth of knowledge that he's going to be. And so really what I'd like to do is just Jimmy, if you can just give us like a small intro for yourself on who you are and uh, where you're at and all that. And then we can kind of roll in from there. Sure, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. So yeah, I'm based out of Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. 
And uh, I kind of, I'm the real estate agent is my, my trade, but do a lot of side projects and things all the time. And so I'm an investor in about 12 private companies, own over 20 real estate properties myself. And then, you know, I have a book that came out last year called You End Up Where You're Heading, The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life. And uh, my podcast is called The Jimmy Rex Show and just have a lot of different things going on all the time. I just love to live life in, in every way, man. So yeah, it's hard to explain. People say I'm the most interesting man in real estate. That's a good way to sum me up, I guess. I, I'm just always up for whatever adventure is on the horizon and uh, try to, you know, give back everywhere I can. And, and so it creates a fun, interesting life. I love it. I love it. And so, yeah, we'll definitely dive into all that stuff. But the first question we always like to ask folks that come on the podcast is, uh, you know, we are success without sacrifice. And so uh, what we mean by that is not you you are going to have to sacrifice some things in order to have success. But for us, what we are looking to help folks with is you're having success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And so whenever you hear that success without sacrifice, where does that kind of hit you at and what kind of pops in your head there? Yeah, well, and I think, you know, one of the things, one of the myths that people have is they think that they have to, they think that they have to suffer in order to have the life that they want. They have these different things. For me, success without sacrifice means you don't give up the things that you want to do most for the things that you want to do today. But, you know, success is a funny word because a lot of people think, if I accomplish certain things, I'm successful, or if certain things go my way, I'm successful. For me, success is in the trying, it's in the doing. And so I've always tried to think about that as saying like, so I think that's what makes, you know, my life interesting is um, to me, the only failures in not trying something. And so for me, the very act of trying it or trying to do something or working towards something is enough for me to to be successful in that endeavor it doesn't have to have any kind of certain result i always like to say that you know i've stripped my life of expectations of what it needs to look like so i don't have pain around the results i simply get pleasure in the effort and the try yeah, you can definitely tell you've put in some uh some of the hard work when it comes to uh like kind of philosophies you live by and the uh, like what you're looking for out of life you can uh, at least when i look at it and as i was looking into all the different areas you could definitely tell you put in some miles in, in doing some internal work on that stuff. Now, I'd like to hear kind of, if you just back your story up a little bit, like kind of how this journey started, like maybe, you know, going back into like the, the college, the real estate, like how you got into, how you got moving into real estate. Cause that kind of seems real estate seems to be the thing that's kind of kicked all this off for you. Yeah, I had a, a huge gift that at the time seemed like the worst thing that ever happened to me. And what happened is when I was 21 years old, I started a door to door meat business. And uh, I ended up, you know, going pretty big with it. We were going to franchise it. We um, had 12 sales guys and these big trucks going out. We had a walk in freezer warehouse, all this stuff. I mean, I was young. I was just hustling, trying to make this thing work. I wanted to be retired by 30 and um, had these huge, ambitious goals. Uh, and what happened was, is we took on some money from a franchise partner and my, my partner in the meat company was a guy from the Netherlands named Herman. And I didn't know he had this big drug problem. And when we got that money, he disappeared for two weeks. He was gone. And when he came back, he burned through all of our cash, um, over $35,000 of cash. And, uh, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to shut this thing down. I just got my real estate license as well. And I said, Hey, uh, you know, Herman, I love you, but I can't do this. Not like this anymore. And so I took on all the debt 
and we went on, on our separate ways. Well, I had been in real estate a few months is all, and I had $120,000 debt at 22 years old. It was like 23 years old, whatever it was. And it was just like, it felt like this overwhelming, daunting amount of money that was going to bury me. Um, in fact, we had a third partner in the meat business that had $40,000 debt. He had about a third of what I did. And he bankrupted himself out of it. He'd be Kate out of it. And I just said, no, I'm not doing that. And because I was so desperate to get money to get this debt paid off, it forced me to work so hard in real estate. And so that first year I was a, as, a, as an agent, I ended up selling 60 houses. In year two, I sold 98 houses. I did all that with one assistant. And I was just working. I mean, literally, I'd be in the office by seven and I would grind until, you know, uh, nine, 10 every single night. I Multiple nights, I woke up in the morning, was still wearing my suit. Wherever I laid down for a second, I, I freaking fell asleep. And, uh, but because of that, it, I built a 20 year real estate business in under two years and it really propelled me forward. I got that debt paid off and kind of was able to really make a name for myself. And one thing that's cool about having success early in life is if you crush it in whatever you're doing when you're young, like I was 23, 24, and I was just like, everybody wanted to know who I was. Everybody wanted to have me on their panels. Everybody wanted to coach me. Everybody wanted to kind of share the story of how this young kid was selling so many houses. And so I was able to get a lot of opportunities that I never would have gotten otherwise. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I say, if you hustle in your 20s, if you spend your entire 20s just hustling, 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 you'll be playing from an advantageous position for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, you know, people will be trying to catch up to you. But if you, you know, squander your 20s, you play in your 20s or choose other routes in your 20s, then you'll end up playing catch up for the rest of your life because you didn't get the experience. You don't get those. It's like the universe really puts, I mean, it conspires in your favor. It really puts things in your favor that you never were going to get. And you can't get it back because nobody cares if you have money in your 40s. You're supposed to. No one cares if you have money in your 30s a lot of people do but if you start crushing in your young 20s and start making something of yourself then you just get all these advantages all these relationships your network grows like crazy and that was kind of what happened for me and so what I thought at the time was like the worst thing ever I get stuck with all this debt even though I didn't have any money at the end of those few years I had all that experience and all the relationships and um, the story that goes with it and so it really propelled me forward I'm curious Hello. as to when you were uh, when you were 21, 22, and you're you're making some pretty tough decisions there to close a business down and uh, start a new career and into an area that you didn't go. Like, who were you leaning on back then? Like, who was your your mentor? Who, where were you picking up advice from? Yeah. So one thing that I did really well is the, you know, I, I like to, cause I have a master's degree from Arizona state and I was always in school. I did school for like networking though. I always did it to just to get to know people and find girls to date and stuff like that. But so I always say I got my degree in college, but I got my, in my car and I would just listen to CDs on tape. I mean, I had, I basically had uh, Earl Nightingale's the strangest secret. I listened to that over and over and over again. And Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and, um, Zig Ziglar. Uh, that's what I would listen to all day in my car. And it's funny because nowadays, one of the problems I think that kids have or younger generation has is they have so many options of what to listen to. And a lot of it's just not that good. Like, you know, I mean, you got Clubhouse now and people are on that for an hour a day. And then you've got every podcast and, you know, a lot of them are good, but a lot of them are not so good. And a lot of, there's just a lot of entertainment options. You've got all these different, you know, at your fingertips, movies and 
YouTube for days and a lot of people, I mean, there's just so many and they're good choices, but they're distracting. And I was glad that like back then I had literally like those four or five guys that I just, I listened to that Earl Nightingale CD over and over and over. And it molded me into who I am and the way I think and the way my mind works. And um, so I, you know, I think that was a gift that I had as I had all those mentors, but then I also had some real estate mentors, a guy by the name of Bill Pipes, Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, and uh, Bob Fitzgerald, if you like know the real estate coach industry, those are four of the top five guys in the entire industry. And they all personally coached me. And that was because of that success I had young. They liked to get me on the stage and tell my story. They'd have me call for sell by owners. And, you know, it was like, hey, look, if this kid can do it, who's 25 years old, you guys can for sure do this. And so I had, I had a lot of cool advantages. A lot of cool things came my way because of, uh, of that success at, at that young age really like what you said about like the gift oftentimes comes in the curse. Right. And so like what you said is, and so my question really to you is, and you might've already, you might've already expressed it, but you said one of your partners, they just, they just filed for bankruptcy, but you decided to take on that debt. Why did you, why did you decide to do that? Is that, is that something like that was already inside of you? And did you know that was going to propel you to where you were, or did you just feel like that was the right thing to do? Or why did you, why'd you decide to go that route? Yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, I, I remember at the time I said, somebody asked me, why didn't you just bankrupt? I said, well, I borrowed the money. Like, why, I got to pay it back. Like, that's just what I did. You know, I was like, I borrowed the money. I'll pay it back kind of thing. And it was funny because even right after I got that paid off, um, you know, I'd gotten into real estate investing and I didn't know what I was doing really. And I had bought a couple houses that, well, I actually bought 13 homes in like a year and a half because back then you didn't have to put any money down. Then my, one of my mentors, Mike Ferry had said, you know, sell everything like this market's going to collapse. That was in November of 2016 or 2006. He told me that. And, uh, and so I did, but I, I had two of the houses. I got stuck with the house I was living in and the house that Herman was living in. And just those two homes alone, by the time I had to get rid of them, I couldn't afford the payments, but I couldn't afford to keep them. But the bank made me take, it was literally right when I got all the meat money paid off. I had to take on 150 grand debt they basically made me, I had to short sell the homes, but I couldn't just short sell them. I had to take the debt on a 0% interest because they knew how much money I was making. And so I got stuck again with $150,000 debt. And that one I could have probably justified not having to pay because it was like, I kind of got screwed by the fact that all these lenders did all these predatory loans and everything else. But at the end of the day, I did borrow the money. And so again, I took on that debt and I paid it off. Thankfully, I got into flipping homes and that happened pretty quick. But it was crazy, man. It was like every single time I got ahead, it was like, bam, you get knocked down again. You know, it's funny because people see where you're at today and, and they don't see what you did to get there. I mean, it took me seven years to sell my first house over a million dollars. It, You know, my average price range in 2008 was $139,000 house. I just sold a lot. Of it. And, uh, and so I just, one thing after another, but like for me, I never play victim no matter what. Like we are responsible for our lives. To answer your question, I will never put my burdens on somebody else. I'll never play victim to my circumstances. If something goes wrong, it's my job to fix it. If something uh, is in my control, then I will take responsibility for it. And, you know, I think that's a big problem we have for today. I saw somebody put a joke tweet out the other day, you know, and it said, it said, uh, you know, uh, what the, how did he frame it? It was like Joe Biden at the Super Bowl partying and owes me $2,000 still, you know, like, or something like that. It was like kind of a funny tweet. But at the same time, it was like that person literally like wrote that as if he's entitled to the stimulus check. It's like people are just like, 
you know, they play victims so much and they're, they're trying to let other people dig them out of this hole. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, only you control your life. And the more we give up that control to other people or we think that we need the government or assistance or all these other things, it's just a slippery slope to go down, man. And so I'm just huge on personal responsibility. Whether you end up rich or not, you're going to end up happier because when you earn something and it's yours and you know that you put the effort towards that, that's where fulfillment comes from. It's this whole idea of like, you know, when they're, that's why all the money that people get like from subsidies and different things like that, it's tricky because some people really need it. But at the end of the day, you don't get that sense of accomplishment that you get when you earn something. So you can give somebody free college, but they're not going to appreciate it. It's just like high school. Like you can give somebody all these other free things, but at the end of the day, if they haven't earned it, if they haven't sweat and bled for it, you don't get the self-confidence and the self-fulfillment of knowing like, you know what? I did that. Like I did that thing and I'm amazing. And that's where self-confidence, that's where all that comes from. And that's how you build a great life and a great legacy. But I don't know. So I, I that was a little bit of a tangent, but I just think it's important to really look at your own life. And I, I, what a what a curse it would have been if somebody had paid off my debt. Like what a tragedy it would have been if the government would have bailed me out because it took so much effort. And some days I didn't know how the hell I was going to do it. And every single dollar I was making, I swear half of it was just going to bad debt that I took on as an idiot kid. But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful for all that because it really became me. It, it molded me into the person that I am. And, and so I'm just grateful that no one bailed me out. I think that's what I like about real estate so much. And uh, it also showed, it also helped you build the skill set to make money quickly, make lots of money quickly. Yeah, no, exactly right. I mean, you know, it's, I was, it was funny because in 2000, seven, I think I made almost a half a million dollars. And I thought I was the richest guy in the world, but I didn't know how to budget. I didn't know any of that stuff. And I, I, all of a sudden I didn't have any money left. I'm like, where's all my money at? And I made every bad decision you can make, but I was learning, oh my gosh, the lessons I learned. But yeah, I mean, once, you know, once it turned and I started flipping homes and I started, you know, selling properties to investors. And I mean, it was very quickly, you know, you're making five to 700,000 bucks a year, um, there was one day last year, I sold the most expensive home in the history of Utah, you know, as a seven figure day in one day, I sold a $32 million house. Um, and so real estate is pretty awesome because you, uh, you have very high ticket items, right? And, you know, I remember we bought a meth house when I was trying to get out of that debt from the, we bought a meth house townhome and we got it for $11,000. Oh my gosh, those were the days. And uh, we fixed it up. We remediated it. And the cool thing about a meth house is once it's been remediated, you don't even have to disclose it, at least in the state of Utah. And so, so the so I'm going to stop you there because I, I just found this out a couple months ago. So in Jacoby's market, my market, and any of the people that we run with, we don't understand that you remediate a meth house. Like there's a, a process and you actually get a certificate. So, <laughs> so what else actually does that entail? I don't know. He just hires a remediation guy. Yeah. Pay him four grand. He goes over there and they'll rip out some stuff and they'll toss out most of your appliances and do a couple of things like that. And then they just bomb the whole house, I guess. I don't even know, but it's like a four to $8,000 process. But then the house is good. Uh, I remember that one. We ended up selling it for like, I think 90 something after we remediated it. And so that was a quick chunk of change, you know, and Real estate's funny. We just bought a foreclosure, not a foreclosure. We bought a house. Um, somebody was distressed. They'd been sitting on this house for a year and a half, didn't have the money to fix it, but they bought it really well for like 275. I think I paid them like 335 for it. And we just painted the outside of it. It's hideous, like 
old 1970s cream color on the outside. We painted it black and white, cost six, 6,000 bucks. And I'm telling you, it, like, uh, it was funny. I was showing this girl that I'm dating the, the house and she goes, oh my gosh, I would love to live in that house. And it was hideous, like a, a day before. And, uh, and we'll end up making 90 grand on this turn, you know, by the time we fix up the inside a little bit. And so you can just very quickly make huge chunks of money in real estate. And, and there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. That's one of the fun parts about it yep. is there's just so many ways you can make money in real estate. And so that's one thing I love about it. That's awesome, man. Like, thanks for sharing all that stuff. Now, now looking at what you're doing now and hearing that backstory, now you can see why you have the success that you're having right now. A lot of folks, like you said, they look at where you're at now and they don't see that story in the front end. So all that debt, like that, that's enough to drive somebody, you know, mad essentially. And you said that's like seven years to like a decade, you were kind of like in that little cycle there. And so like when you break out, you know, it seems like, you know, I can tell, can see why you've got the success that you've gotten now. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been fun, dude. It's, you know, as I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I'm so grateful I went through it the one time, you know, and it's like now, like, honestly, my, my, my real estate career is pretty damn easy. Um, as far it's not as simple, I guess it's never easy, but like I put one post on Instagram a few weeks ago and I sold 30 houses in one day to 30 different people, you know, it's like crazy now what um social media and what a, you know i've spent 15 years to have that day right like building up trust with my clients and understanding markets and all that stuff but i mean i think my real estate team put 67 deals under contract last month there's just three of us that actually sell and then we got a lot of admin help but and so you know we're at a place in our career where it's really fun now and we built that and so it's really cool and um at any time you know it gives you a lot of confidence because i know at any given time if i'm willing to just grind any month that I can do that. I can put 20, 30, 40 homes on a contract if I need to. And um, we know how to find them. I have the clients and the friends and people that are just like, it's cool. Like those pe people just, they're like, dude, just tell me what to buy. And why. If, so if I find great deals, my clients literally trust me at that level now. And so it's fun, you know, and, and it's, it's, people always say like, what is, how can I become super successful? How can I have a really su successful life? And how can I, the number one question I get is how do I find a network like yours or a tribe like yours? Cause I have amazing people around me. I have the most amazing friends. And it's funny. I said, well, you got to do something first. Like, otherwise you're just the weird guy that's always around, right? Like you, you got to have your own thing that makes you special. And so I said, spend the next 10 years just pick anything, pick insurance, pick real estate, pick mortgages, pick whatever. It doesn't matter. Stocks like, and just be a grinder and just work your ass off and get great at it. And then once you're great at it, um, that will blow doors open. And then when you network, you'll be that guy, you'll be the real estate guy, or you'll be the car sales guy or whatever it is, but you've got to do that work first. You got to grind first and be something for yourself. Otherwise you're just the weird guy that's always around it. Everybody else's stuff. <laughs> So I'm glad you talked about selling 30 houses or whatever on your social media. So I kind of want to move on to that. Like you call yourself the social realtor, right? So like, give us, give us your thoughts on social media, because a lot of people now are starting to like demonize social media. They saying that social media is kind of the enemy, but you've got, it seems like a different thought on social media and all that. So what's like your, what's your take on that? Yeah, it was just dumb to call it stupid or to call it bad because it's like it's a tool you know and it's like uh, look a knife is a tool it can be used to cut your potatoes or it can be used to stab somebody like all tools can be used for good or bad 
And I think it's important to see social media the same way. If you're getting on social media, just reading negative stuff all day long or about politics or fighting with people, I mean, obviously it's not a good tool. If you're doing it in lieu of like connecting with people and making relationships, it's not a good tool. But if you're using social media the right way, it is the best tool in the history of mankind. I used to call for sale by owners every day from eight to 11. That was my job for six, seven years. I did that every single day. I did not miss. Let me tell you how nice it is to not have to call a single for sale by owner for the last like 10 years. I mean, or six, seven years. It's It was so much work just to find clients. And so now, you know, I have, I've built up a platform. I mean, so in my Instagram has over 60,000 followers. I can put any message out there and get, you know, thousands and thousands of people will see my message the way I want it delivered. I can drive them to any website I want to my YouTube page. Like when I'm going on listing appointments, you know, if I go on a high-end listing appointment, um, I can show them how I can make a YouTube video and then I can post it and do a swipe up feature on my Instagram and it can go to thousands and thousands of people immediately. I actually sold one guy his house that way in 24 hours. And so I use him as a testimonial. And so if you're up against me on a listing appointment and they're like, well, why are you different from everyone else? I can show them. I'm like, look, I've got this social media channel that no one else has. Like no other realtors built what I've built on social media. And so at least not in my area. And so it's like, I can really emphasize how that's a tool and I can prove how many sales I've gotten from that tool. And so I just, you know, I'm going to get the listing over you. I, uh, you know, I, I was funny. I've got some buddies that are killing it on TikTok. They're getting a ton of real estate leads. And I do work with a lot of investors now. And I realize it's such a good tool to pe teach people about real estate investing. So I had a buddy who built a pretty big page, like overnight, it felt like I'm like, geez, that guy's got a lot of traction going. And there's, by the way, all marketing is one thing. Where are the eyeballs? That's it. That's marketing 101. Like where are the eyeballs? That's where you need to be. If they're on TV, market on TV. If they're on park benches, um, advertise on the park bench. But guess what? They're on social media. And it's specifically right now, they're on TikTok. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, I need to I need to kind of get this thing going. But then I'm like, I don't want to use TikTok. It's owned by the Chinese government. Like, screw them. Like, uh, you know, it's like, it's just another social media, like wasting my damn time. And then my, I asked my buddy and he goes, well, dude, I don't even use it. I, he goes, I never get on. I have a guy that I, I pay and he's really good and he does it for me. So I hire this dude <laughs> literally 10 days ago. And in the first four days, he used some of my viral videos, things that I've used before in the past that have done well, like the video yeah. where I was sinking my houseboat and diving with sharks and playing basketball with NBA guys and stuff like that. And in um, literally in like three, four days, I have millions of, um, I have over 20 million views on one of these videos. It's insane. Like I have this huge following on it. Basically he built me in four days, the same following that I have on my Instagram that took me 10 years. And so anyway, I'm now going to be using that as a tool to capture leads and do things like that. It's just so simple to do. But anyway, long story short, there's a, there's a, the only video I've ever seen of a guy sinking a houseboat and he's smiling and laughing the whole time. Yeah, man. Well, when you're at peace with yourself, it's like, it's all good. Whatever, dude. You know, I told my buddies, I mean, I mean, that was a weird day. We have no idea what was going on. My houseboat is literally falling into the freaking sea. I'm just like, what is going on here? And I just told my buddies, I go, you know what? Just keep filming. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to try to fix this. I'm going to try to save this thing. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a hell of a story. Either we're going to sink this bastard to the bottom of the lake or we're going to get out of it. What else are you going to do? I grew up with a father. Bless his heart. I love my dad. 95% of the dad time, he was the best dad in the world. But 5% of the time, he was a real ass. And he lost his cool very easily on vacations. And I just, as a kid, I remember just like 
saying like, no matter what happens, if I'm an adult, if, you know, if things go wrong, I'm not going to lose it. And uh, I'll be damned when that house goes start going down, you know, that could have become just this horrible thing and everybody's just a mess and, and, you know, ruined my year and everything else. Instead, it was hilarious. And we, you know, it sucks. Like shit happens. And I have co-owners on that boat. I had timeshares, right. And they were pissed at me that that happened, but it was like, at the end of the day, it just happened. Like I didn't even hit anything. I didn't do anything wrong. It just happens. And so we had, you know, a $6,000 deductible I had to pay and called it good. But like, that became such a fun little story for people to tell and people to watch. I put the Titanic music to it, had over 150 <laughs> million views. And it's just funny, you know, and all the time people reach out to me, they're like, oh my gosh, this guy. And I ended up getting a ton of real estate deals off it too, because all the news stations called me. And if you Google Jimmy Rex houseboat, you can see all these articles, but I told them I'll only do the article if you refer to me as a real estate expert, Jimmy Rex. And so every single article that came out it says real estate expert sinks houseboat or real estate expert Jimmy Rex. It's hilarious. So people all over the world were literally calling me real estate expert Jimmy Rex. <laughs> the one thing about your social media is, uh, you know, th- th- there's so many, you know, social media coaches and, you know, everybody's telling you how to do social media. But if you look at your social media, it has a, a completely different feel than like what any of the the social media experts are saying. Kind of break down your uh, you know, your thoughts behind how you look at your social media as a whole. Yeah. So you're, I'm going to correct you there though. You said how the real or how the social media experts tell you to do it. No, that's how the real estate social media quote unquote experts tell you. how to do. Yeah, it. that's exactly. I didn't have the air quotes when I said that, but <laughs> yeah, look at their followings. None of those people even have any followings. I mean, dude, here's the bottom line is you, you have to make yourself interesting. You have to make it attractive to want to follow you. Like, what are all the pages you follow? For one reason or another, they're interesting. They are attractive to do. So my whole thing, because uh, I actually studied from social media experts how to do this stuff. So Charlie Jordan used to live in my house. Her uh, And uh, she's one of the top social media influencers on TikTok. She's got over 150 million views. Like, girl has four or 5 million followers on Instagram. She knows exactly. And she is a genius. And I would just pick her brain and learn what she was doing. And then my buddy Garrett G, I went and, you know, spent four days on the ocean with him on a liveaboard boat swimming with sharks. And he, the guy built his social meeting over a million followers on Instagram in like a year. And so I would just pick their brains and learn how to actually do social media. And what you got to do is you have to do things that make you attractive as a person to draw people to your page and then from there, you can use your stories to actually sell. And uh, and so that's what I do with my social media is if you go on my page, you barely tell I'm a realtor. You just go on there and it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy never even posts about real estate. But the bottom line is, is because I'm not trying to be a realtor. I'm not trying to, you know, pitch. I, and I tell people social media is like a room full of your friends. You would never walk into a room full of your friends and be like, hey, guys, I got this new listing. It's in West Valley, you know, and blah, blah, blah. It's got they'd be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Get out of here. But you would go and be like, yo, check out this funny video of my houseboat sinking. Or you'd be like, hey, check out this post. Um, I've, you know, me at the whatever sporting event or whatever it might be. Um, or me with this interesting person, like you would talk about that stuff. And so that's how you have to approach social media. And then I just try to make it so people want to see your page. Like people tell me all the time, dude, I love your posts. They make me feel good. You know, it goes back to the old adage, Nobody cares how rich you are, how smart you are, how good looking you are, how whatever. The only thing they care about is how you make them feel when they're with you. That's it. That's networking 101. You're either a net positive or a net negative in every person's life, right? And if you're posting stuff and it's a net negative, 
then they're just not going to want to follow you. Also, though, if you're not interesting, like I always tell people, they post so many pictures of their kids. I'm like, no offense, but nobody's following your kid. They don't even know whose kid that is. They just see the post. They go on to the next thing. Like if you're only using social media as like some kind of keepsake for your own photos, that's great. But if you're trying to utilize it as a tool, if you want to get leads, then there's strategic things you have to do. You have to make it attractive to want to follow you. And so you've got to do fun stuff. You got to create the content. I mean, I spend, I'll be doing content today from two 30 to nine o'clock. I'm going to be doing content today. I've got all these different things that I'm going to be filming. I got my video guy coming with me for several hours. Um, that's why I'm doing the podcast all the time because you have to do interesting things so that people want to follow you. And the content creation is how you gain a gathering. Man. I love that. Yeah. And I think the other, the other key there too, is, you, you know, you say you have to be interesting and then how you make people feel. And I think the key there, there's like an art to it, as opposed to me telling you that I'm great or whatever else you've got, there's a, there's a, um, a way to do that to where people just get it, you know, get it rather than you just telling them. And I think that's kind of the key. And that's what I see when I look at all of your stuff. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, and I look at it this way, you know, it's like, if you have a kid and, you're telling him all the time, you need to go for your dreams. You need to do this. You need to, you know, live life for this fullest. And he watches you not doing shit. Like you're not going for your dreams and you're sitting on the couch, or you're bitching about your boss or whatever it might be. Then that's what the kid's going to pick up. But you don't even have to tell your kid a word. If he sees you lit up about life and he sees you living at your highest level in all regards, he's going to be like, man, I want to be like dad. Dad is living the dream. Dad does exactly what he wants to do with his life. So I've kind of always looked at it that way, right? Is like, if I'm doing uh, those things, then anybody watching, you know, part of my life's motto is I want to uh, be an example of living an extraordinary life. I want to give people permission to go for their dreams. I want people to see that like, dang, you can actually do what you want to do with yourself. And so I put a lot of time and effort into just living my life the way I want. Like I truly get to do what I want to do. And I have no excuse for sharing that. I love sharing that. Like my job is to inspire other people. And if it inspires you, great. And if it doesn't, it's probably triggering something in you where you're like, oh, I'm still playing small. Like I get all these haters all the time that end up meeting me or liking me later. And they go, dude, I hated you for the longest time. I thought you were such a douche or whatever. And they're like, the truth is, is it was just a reflection of my own self. And they always say that, you know, and it's funny because I'm like, it's all good. And I know that. So I don't care if People have problems with, you know, the way I live or what I'm doing. I really doesn't bother me. I'm authentically doing what I want to do with my life. And, you know, and I hope that helps people want to do that with their lives. If it doesn't, that's okay too. You know, you definitely come across, you make yourself available. Uh, just, it was last, uh, I guess it was a year ago in the fall. Uh, I was coming out to Utah. We came out to Utah. First time I'd ever been out there. Beautiful. I couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. And yeah, it was uh, my only time ever in Utah, we stayed at the Montage. So I just started out the correct way, I suppose. And, yes, you did. Um, and I had hit you up. Hey, I'm going to be out in Utah. Can you take a couple minutes and, and meet? And you were like, heck yeah. Um, and we couldn't line it up. You were coming in from Denver and I was flying out and uh, we didn't line it up. But for a guy who didn't know me from anybody, uh, just to like, you know, you're open. You just make yourself open to meeting people and and building those relationships. And I know I think you and Jacoby have some kind of connection with somebody, you know, uh, Jacoby played football at Air Force, the Air Force Academy. Um, awesome. Weren't you saying that, Jacoby? Yeah, I thought it was, but it, it, I don't think so. I was okay. thinking it was with uh, Kyle Vinoy, but he's he's a lot younger than I am, so I, th I thought it was something else. But 
the one thing I'll say though, is like, yeah, you're real. I think the thing is like, you're just real. Right. And so what I think about is you did that one video that says like, take the mask, take your mask off. And so that's like really what I'm getting even out of this, you know, this conversation is that you're just, you're just real. And what you say is like actually who you are. And that's, I think that's rare, you know, in the times we live in. So the, the other question I wanted to ask you, because you seem like you have a lot of certainty, right? And so I really like on your on your webpage, you got the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children by bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an extraordinary life. Like what is, tell us like how you got to that point because I feel like there's a lot of folks even that listen to this podcast that we listen to like trying to find out how to find themselves, I guess you could say, or whatever else. But like, I feel like that's where a lot of what you do comes from. You know who you are, you know what you want and how to get it. Like, where does, where does all that come from? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of effort, man. A lot of work. I, you know, I didn't come up with that life mission till I was in my mid thirties and um, I went through a lot of effort. I, I really dug into my soul to come up with what I wanted my life to be all, all about. You know, I grew up in a very religious household and, you know, my life was, where I was from, where I was going, what I was supposed to do here was all planned out for me for a really long time. And um, eventually I had to take a hard look at all that. And I decided that, you know, maybe there was more to uh, this whole map of life. And and I backed up and said, all right, what is my life going to be all about then? And I actually went to a Tony Robbins event was when I came up with that life motto into the date with destiny. But I really played all out and really dug into, you know, what I wanted my life to, to mean, what meaning did I want to put in my life? And um, yeah, I, I, I read that every day, man. It's on the top of my folder, my, my planner, and, and I have that ingrained deeply inside of me because it helps me. You know, the reason why playful is in there is it's one of the main values of my life because it's very hard to be depressed and playful. It's very hard to be angry and playful. It's very hard to um, be in a bad mood and be playful. Playful is one of the most attractive qualities a human can have, the ability to find humor in their own selves, right? To just be able to find the the comedy of their own life, uh, be self-amused. You know, I always just laugh at the ridiculousness of my own life. I love it. And I get that it's blessed and that it's weird and all of the things above. It's just fun to be able to look at life that way. And so but that's where, you know, I really spent the time and effort, man, coming up with that and then living by that. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I literally, the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bring happiness to others through my playful soul. And by being an example of living an extraordinary life, like that is ingrained inside of me. And so every decision I make is based upon that. Like if I'm going to do something, I have to wait, ask myself like, wait, is that going against, you know, the purpose of my entire life? Like if I'm getting mad about something ridiculous, it's like, all right, hold on. You're not being playful. And I know I'm out of an integrity. Anytime I'm not being playful, if I get too serious, um, I'm out of my own integrity for my own life. So it's just putting a lot of effort towards it. I would recommend it, you know, everybody kind of figure out where you want to go with your life, what you want it to look like, what you want to be, what do you want to stand for? Um, are you a net positive in everybody's life? Like every person that comes into your life, are you a net positive or are you a net negative? Are you taking from people? Or are you always giving? And I like to think that, you know, everybody that has me in their life, um, I show up as a net positive for them. And, uh, and that's important to me because that's really all we're doing here, man, is, is trying to make people's lives a little bit better. And so I try to share messages that I've learned along the way that, that help with that. But that's ultimately why uh, or how I came up with that, that purpose for my life. That's awesome. Very good. So if you had to look at, you know, we haven't, obviously there's not enough time to touch on everything that you do in here. Um, you've got a lot of irons in the fire. 
but if you kind of looked at the, uh, you know, the dozen items that I've seen, or at least that I see in your life, like, what are you most proud of the thing that you're, you're involved in or doing? Um, oh, when- and not, not characteristic. I'm talking like a specific thing you're involved in. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm most proud of the relationships I have in my life, specifically with my family members and my friends. But you know, I put a lot of effort towards those. That's the thing I'm by far I'm most proud of. I'll tell you a quick story. I don't think anything's ever made me feel more proud than this moment. And what happens is every Christmas, I would let my nieces and nephews pick what they want for Christmas. And a couple of years ago, my little nephew James, he's actually named after me. He uh, he wrote a well, he, he told everybody he wanted a giant shark for Christmas. And he's like six years old. And he said, I want a real shark, a big one. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, I don't know if I can make that happen. But, and uh, he told his mom, his dad told me, he said, no, Jimmy, I just want a shark. And uh, so I was kind of like, I Googled it. You can't buy a shark, especially not a big one. Um, and, it's funny uh, that you looked into it though. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time looking into it. And then uh, I finally bought him this stuffed animal. It was like five feet big stuffed animal. And, uh, you know, shark, I'm like, all right, this'll do. And like four days before Christmas, three, four days before Christmas, my sister-in-law sends me this letter that she found that he wrote to Santa Claus. And on this note, it just tells you what he thought of me or how he thought of me in this letter. He says, dear Santa, all, and by the way, Santa Claus, guy who delivers millions of presents, billions of presents every year to every kid in sight in 24 hours. This is his ability. He's, this is how he sees Santa. He says, dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is a giant shark. If you can't get it, call my uncle Jimmy. He'll help you. It's like, if you can't figure this shit out, don't worry. I got a guy. I got a guy that in his, in this six-year-old's entire life, there's not a moment that's gone in his entire life where he thought, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. Cause he goes, I got a guy. And uh, <laughs> that's probably what I'm most proud of, man. The fact that he can look at me that way, like the, my nephews and nieces think of me that way. And they know they can depend on me on that level. Um, and to, to, to finish the story real quick, when I got that note, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the pressure. So I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So then I'm like, all right, I put my creative hat on. I'm like, Jimmy, you got to get him a shark. So one way or another, let's figure this out. And I remember I'd gone to a networking meeting with the guy that runs the aquarium in, in Salt Lake and they have a giant shark there. And so I call him up. I'm like, yo, here's my dilemma. I need some help. And <laughs> he goes, we got you. And so what we ended up doing is I delivered to James on Christmas morning, this big box. And then I had the stuffed animal and, uh, and inside of it, we got a picture of the shark and a certificate and they let him adopt the shark and name it. And they had this breakfast ceremony where he got to go and talk about his shark and get a picture with it and of, of, of it, you know? And, uh, and so I delivered this to him and tell him, I said, look, man, I got you your shark. You get to pick the name of it. Here's your, you know, certificate, but we got to keep it at the aquarium. It's the only place big enough. And so to this day, it's been like three years. He still tells people he has a shark. It's at the aquarium, but man, I, I actually came through. And so, but like the fact that, you know, when I was a kid, like kids get screwed up by, um, they, they, they need an adult figure, something they can depend on that just knows that they're good, you know, their life's going to be okay. And I, I think, um, every single one of my nieces and nephews on some level has been able to wake up and go to bed every night knowing that somebody's got them, that somebody loves them. And, you know, my siblings as well, they're all amazing parents, every single one of them. But the fact that my little nieces and nephews think that way about me because of the relationship that I've tried to build with them, that to me is 
you know, the thing that I'm most proud of. And, and like today I'm taking my two little nephews, we're going pheasant hunting, you know, and I got this guy, he's one of the biggest networker business guys in town. And he's like, yo, I want to go, you know, pheasant hunting. And, and I said, look, I want to go, but my nephews are getting into hunting. And the only way I want to go is if I can bring them with me. He's like, of course. And so my little eight-year-old and 10-year-old nephews are going to come with, we're going to go hunt some pheasants later today. But, you know, just putting that, those efforts in, man, those are the things that, that truly drive me and matter the most, I think for me. Man, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah. If you can, if you can, uh, if you can one up Santa, like you have officially made it, especially with a, in a six-year-old's eyes. The confidence, the, the confidence in that kid, man. He's like, Santa, if you can't figure this out, I've got a guy. Don't worry about it. He'll hook you. You know what? Props to my nephew. Cause he wasn't wrong. He put a little pressure on me, but I got it done. So. That's absolutely awesome. Um, I appreciate you everything you've you've shared with us on here, and I don't know if we have enough time to talk about it, but there there's one thing that I did want to talk to you about, and that's your is it the hundred dollar challenge that y'all did? I don't know if we if you have enough time to squeeze it in, but that story and what y'all are doing is I think yeah, it's man, awesome. It's, yeah, so it's called the hundred dollar dinner club, and basically, I'm always just trying to look for ways to you know like get people together, connect, um, do cool stuff, give back, all that stuff, and so. I saw a video, I don't know, like a month and a half ago on my Facebook, and it was this other realtor named Rob Aubrey, and he had gone to breakfast with like four or five realtors, and they let all, everyone brought a $100 tip, and they left the tip for the waitress, and they recorded it, and she's bawling, and I'm just like, I was totally touched by the video, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, and uh, I was like, wait, we should just do that every week, like I have so many people hit me up on Instagram that want to go to lunch, or want to go to dinner, want to meet, I'm like, this is a great way to just get them all together, it's a great networking opportunity. And um, no business has been hit harder than the restaurants and the servers. And, you know, Dave uh, Portnoy started the Barstool Fund for restaurants and stuff. And I started thinking, like, that's helping all the restaurants. But the workers are still getting hammered pretty hard. I was like, if I can get a, make this a movement, and I was like, if I can get enough cool videos of, of us doing this, I think we can make it a movement. And so, um, yeah, I got the first group together. I immediately thought of the, the name $100 Dinner Club, uh, bought the domain name, started sending out information to people and it sold out within 10 minutes the first one because you can only put 20 30 people in a restaurant you know? and in these times of covid where you know everyone's telling you you can't get together you can't go out i'm like no you can and this is my way of, of also pushing back against that a little bit but so i put this whole thing together we did a we've done it five tonight we're doing the sixth one we've recorded them all the news um caught wind of it last week and they came and kind of made a story about it and it's been spreading like crazy we've had over 200 people now have literally sent me a picture of them leaving at least a hundred dollar tip after their meal. And we've had, I think 18 or 19 groups get together. Now there's one in just this week alone. There's another one in Utah in sugar house tomorrow. There's another one in St. George this week. Um, there's a woman's group that gets together every other week now. And there's people all over the country. Last week, there was one in Atlanta, one in Cleveland, one in Detroit, uh, Washington, uh, or no, no, Oregon. I mean, they're going on all over the place. There was somebody who said, you know, was in, uh, uh, Hawaii and anyway, and so there's waitresses and servers and waiters that are getting, you know, the gift of this, um, because we decided, you know, for me, it was like, I could have just done it, gone and left a hundred dollar tip, gotten some people get done it once, but it's like, that helps a little bit. But if you can create a movement around this and get this people to just do this, like if nothing else, it brings, this awareness to the restaurant industry that people should be leaving bigger tips. And I, even my mom who like, doesn't have a lot of extra money. She's like, I left an extra $20 on my tip that I normally wouldn't have, you know, it's just, just the awareness of it, getting people to you go sign their check and like, ah, oh, I guess the servers probably do deserve a little extra right now. 
And so it's been really cool, man. And it's something that um, I'm going to do it every, literally I'm going to do it every week this year. And the cool part is I'm meeting all these amazing people. I'm going to all these restaurants I've never been to. I've, go, I've been to, after today, I've been to six restaurants I otherwise had never been to before. And every week, you know, we're just getting a group. Tonight, there's 50 of us, actually. We rented out the whole restaurant again. We did that a couple of weeks ago. And it filled up in 30 minutes. Like people, I just put it on my Instagram and people want to come. They want to be part of something like this. And it's really cool. Like when you see how it helps these servers and you hear their stories, because they always end up crying later and telling you their stories. And, you know, that's been the really cool part about it. But anyway, so that's what the $100 Dinner Club is. And I encourage anybody listening, do one in your hometown. If you want to do a great networking event, if you want to build your sphere of influence, if you want to, you know, meet amazing like-minded people that also come from a service background, this is the best way I've ever seen to do it. It's really cool. Nice. Very nice. And it's great how it just, it's even picked up. Like I don't even, it just kind of, all of a sudden I'm scrolling and all of a sudden it's in my feed and I'm like, oh, there it is again. There it is again. And um, I'm not even that connected to it, but I'm seeing it. No, Jacoby said, I don't know if we have time, but there's actually one more thing that I want you to, to, to touch on. And if I look at all your works that you do, I think for me, this is the one thing that stands out and it's your, your connection to Operation Underground Railroad. I got connected to them about four years ago through the ClickFunnels world because yeah. uh, um, Russell Brunson's been huge with it and was able to, you know, uh, did a little bit of donating, nothing nothing crazy but then just to see everybody really start to see what's going on in that world because to me i look at that the industry of sex trafficking and i cannot figure out how we don't see it every night on tv like that this is an issue uh it just blows my mind so share with us your your work explain what underground railroad is and then uh talk about your affiliation with them yeah i mean so Sex trafficking is a, a huge problem, and um, unfortunately, it's one of those dark subjects that nobody likes to talk about. I've learned because I've been on eleven operations now, where we would go undercover. Had a chance to work with Tim Ballard in Operation Underground Railroad quite a bit, and um, it's funny the ClickFunnels thing. I don't know if you were at the event when they showed the documentary. Um, they brought Tim and a few of the operators on the stage after, and I actually got to go up on the stage with oh, them. I was um, there. Tony Robbins was speaking at that event, so it was really cool. And, it was on my vision board to be on that stage and like looking over. It was really cool to, to have that. But anyway, um, but so long, long story short, there's a lot of really great groups that are, you know, trying to eradicate this and trying to fix it and um, operation underground road being one of the main ones. And so, yeah, I had the opportunity to go and do that and be a part of that. And I um, mean, without going into too much detail about, you know, my specific role, I just, we were part of the team that would go in and find the guys that were trafficking women and, um, had the opportunity again to be a part of that. And because of the hard work that we've done and we were able to rescue over hundred girls and, and help arrest about 30, 40 traffickers. And, um, you know, every trafficker you take out, out or take off of this is probably hundreds of girls that you saved from eventually falling victim to it. And so it's been really cool, man. It's been one of those things that I'll spend the rest of my life in one way or another fighting for um, those people. It's, you know, it's, those are the true victims. And, um, it is one of those things that nobody wants to look at, but it's happening. And um, the more we shine a light on it, the more awareness we bring to it, um, the quicker we can get rid of it. And so I've put a lot of my efforts in life. And it's funny because one of the things that I talked about earlier was, you know, I had that six, seven years where I couldn't get ahead. I just kept paying off debt and I just was trying so hard to get ahead in life. And one of the things that motivated me is I, I had a thing on my wall that said, show up for your future self. 
And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I had to work today for the future that I wanted. And when you're going through the hard times, when you're calling for sale by owners, when you're struggling to find your next deal, man, there's some hard times. And a lot of those days, like work can suck. And sometimes you're getting your teeth kicked in, but I always wanted to show up for my future self. And it was cool because I only had the opportunity to be a part of those sting operations and a part to, uh, of what we were doing with OUR because of who I was 10 years earlier, because I showed up, you know, I had influence and I had ability to raise money and to donate my own money. And I wouldn't have been able to do any of that had I not worked as hard as I did when I didn't even know why I was working so hard. My why wasn't defined yet. I didn't know what my life was going to look like, but I was so grateful. I remember, you know, when we were in some of those stings and undercover and, and just thinking like, it was just a gratitude for my former self for, for putting that effort in to be able to be a part of that. I mean, when you rescue somebody's, I once put on my, you know, like goals for my life list, save somebody's life. And I'm, it's just funny. It was more of a, you know, like I always pictured me diving in and rescuing somebody drowning or something, but we've been able to truly save multiple people's lives through that organization and others. And, and it's one of the things that uh, I'm most proud of as well that I've been able to do in my life. And, and again, it was because when it was so hard and it was every day was such a grind, I just kept pushing and I kept going. And, and so it created an opportunity later in life to do something cool like that. And so, you know, those opportunities don't just find us, man, like uh, to be able to be a part of something like that and rescue people and save lives. It's special. And I'm just grateful for, I'm just grateful that I was able to be a part of that, you know, when I was. I appreciate awesome. it. That's a huge, uh, it's a huge hole that we have, I think, in society that we're we're letting so many of those kids slip through. And uh, that problem's not going to go away, especially after putting kids on the internet as for 10 hours a day like we have in the last year. That's just going to magnify. So the work you're doing, the work they're doing has just been phenomenal. No, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun to be a part of it. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for bringing that up too, Jerry. That was, uh, that was a really good point. I think it's a really good way to end end everything here. Uh, Jimmy, I appreciate your time. Man, I'm, I'm, uh, man I, this is going to be a really great episode for everyone to listen to. I guess just as we roll out, what's the best way for people to connect with you and to be able to stay in contact with you and, and what you're doing? Yeah. So I share everything that I'm doing through my Instagram stories. And so whether it's, you know, speaking uh, my book, anything else that I'm doing, podcasts that I'm on, or that I, you know, bring guests on, I share it all through my Instagram. So the best place to follow me is on Mr. Jimmy Rex. That's my Instagram handle. And feel free to reach out if anybody ever has any questions or I can help in any way. Um, just message me on there. That's the best way to get a hold of me. If it's a real question, I always make sure I get back to people. So Mr. Jimmy Rex is, uh, is the best way to, to reach me. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as Jerry and I did recording it and getting everything ready. Like I said, uh, Jimmy is absolutely phenomenal. I had an awesome time um, listening to him and uh, speaking with him and just hearing the stories that he shared with us. And so if you want to get more info on him, like I said, you can find him on Instagram. He's very involved on all of the social media platforms. You can also go to MrJimmyRex.com to check him out and uh, just to hear more about him and what he's doing. And I know Jerry actually just recently uh, had a dinner for his, uh, where they did the $100 tip, uh, thing as well. And so, uh, check out Jerry's, uh, Instagram on that too, and just keep passing the love around. 
uh, I was just inspired so much by talking to Jimmy. And so hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next episode. And always remember, if you want to connect with us, find us in our Facebook group, Success Without Sacrifice. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.